welcome to Misunderstood, a podcast dedicated to better understanding MS and learning to live well with MS. I'm your host, Katie Sloan. Our usual reminders as we begin. First, I am not an expert. I'm just a person like you living with MS and trying to make the best of it. Misunderstood is based on my personal experience, what I've learned from my doctors, other care providers, and my own solutions-oriented research and pattern-finding obsession. While the majority of the information I share has been vetted by doctors, I am not a doctor. My intention is you use the information shared here as a springboard for discussion between you and your doctor regarding your future care options. Lastly, MS impacts each of us uniquely. I hope to shine a light on a wide range of approaches and strategies for living better with MS, but what you choose to do with that information is always your choice, and what works for one may not work for all. Last episode with Dr. Susan, we learned about a specific topic related to clearing and tackling overwhelm. Building our awareness of toxins and learning how to take action toward living a cleaner life. This followed an episode dedicated to using our yes and no muscle properly, and an episode on the concept of clearing as a way to reduce the feelings of overwhelm. Now, today with this episode, we'll finish out this mini-series on conquering overwhelm, with tools to do so once and for all. For the past few episodes, I've shared my experience of my second annual February clear. Now that February has come to a close, I can share that I've cleared my closets of over 600 items and my kitchen of over 220 items. Lots of clearing in the yard to prepare for spring. Lots of clearing of horizontal spaces in our home. Horizontal spaces are a vulnerability for me and a horrible lifelong habit I'm finally breaking. I said goodbye to lots of products that I don't use anymore even those that were mostly full, without guilt or shame. I've cleared my schedule of extraneous to-dos so I could focus more time and energy on my top priorities. And this in turn helped me to get back into my self-care routines that help me be my best. Eating healthy, daily mindfulness, symphony of the cells essential oil regimen, and a renewed commitment to restorative sleep and daily exercise. I am proud of my progress, and yet I've realized I'm not quite done clearing. So I do plan to continue the process in a slow and deliberate manner, like the tortoise we spoke of fondly last episode. More about that in a bit. An interesting thing happens when we clear. We're left with empty space. Ah, so glorious. Suddenly we notice we can breathe more easily and more deeply. We seem a tad more carefree with a lightness to our step. And there's a deep gratitude for the lightening and energizing oxygenation we experience. My mind seems clearer and also a lot more quiet and serene. This, my friends, is the real beauty of clearing and in pushing pause to enjoy it. For our gratitude portion of the episode this week, I would like to thank one of my former principals that I worked with for many years, Ruth Malin. 
Ruth Malin was a force to be reckoned with, and while we didn't always see eye to eye on how to lead a school, we did share a deep commitment to equity in education and to developing strong growth mindsets in our students. I'm forever grateful for the role she played solidifying those priorities for me as a young educator. I found myself thinking about Ruth a lot these past weeks as I traversed through my annual clear. The empty drawer syndrome is a concept Ruth shared with me way back when I was a new teacher in the late 90s. What is the empty drawer syndrome? In a nutshell, think about your home. Do you currently have any completely empty drawers? You might, but most people don't. When we purchase a new piece of furniture, it quickly becomes filled. And when we move to a larger home, oh my, suddenly it's full. Ruth shared this concept with me when I was searching for a new classroom aid. She used this strategy as an interview tactic. Since people like to, and are often compelled, to fill empty space, and the same is true with silence. So, in an interview scenario, my principal taught me to ask a question and then really listen. And when the candidate was done answering, rather than rushing into the conversation to respond or ask another question, push pause and wait a few moments. Without fail, the candidate would continue speaking, and it was often this second response that yielded much more telling information rather than the first, often quite general or canned response. This tactic really works in an interview. And honestly, even when we're talking with a dear friend, because it helps the conversation go deeper. So Ruth, thank you for teaching me about the empty drawer syndrome and the beauty of empty space and the powerful importance of pushing pause. The pause is an incredibly valuable tool that we can use with ourselves in many ways. And so this week, I want to pause to celebrate pause as a critical step in managing overwhelm. We mentioned using pause as a way to gauge our authentic yes and no. And pause is especially critical to utilize after we clear. For if we skip it and do not utilize the power of pause, we often find ourselves right back where we were in a place of overwhelm and needing to clear yet again. Ever had a lesson show up in your life over and over and over and over again and thought with exasperation, really? This? Again? Well, overwhelm was my previously endless cycle, one that I'm finally fully committed to tapering off for good. What's gotten me there? Mostly, it's been learning to honor and fully utilize the pause. Before we move into pause specifics, I want to push pause again and first ask a few self-reflection questions to see who else might be in a state of overwhelm, since it's been a few episodes since we've talked about overwhelm specifically. Often, we know it when we're overwhelmed, but sometimes we might not be sure. Momentarily, I'll share a list of symptoms of overwhelm. As I share them, be thinking, which ones ring true for you? Is overwhelm something you might be also experiencing? Different sources describe the symptoms of overwhelm differently, but in summary, most include changes in sleep, 
We may struggle to fall asleep and be unable to quiet our mind. We may also struggle with staying asleep. Sometimes overwhelm results in us sleeping more than is normal and yet still being excessively tired during the day. We lack energy, we're easily exhausted, and we struggle to focus on just one thing. We may even see sleep as a waste of time since there's so much we feel we should be doing instead that seems more important. Changes in diet. When overwhelmed, some people overeat while others often forget to eat and become malnourished. We might abandon healthy eating habits altogether, eating empty calories of convenience foods that truly do not feed us. We may even feel despondent about food and develop eating disorders. Deflated mood. We are too tired or busy to enjoy life. We might refrain from even our most favorite activities or even retreat from our most favorite people. We might lose the pleasure found in the simple joys of life. We may feel apathetic and lose focus on what matters most to us. We are existing, yet not truly living, and certainly not thriving. We may put our faith in waiting to live in a better future rather than the now by believing next week will be better, rather than putting forth effort to make today better. We might even struggle to take a break from work for even the most important things or people in our lives. Changes in agency. Agency is defined as the capacity and propensity to take purposeful initiative the or the opposite of helplessness. So, if experiencing overwhelm, we may feel out of control, like we have no say in what we can or can't do. We struggle with unpredictability and instability. Our inner control freak may try to take over as we struggle to delegate or ask others for help. Our expectations of self and others might become unrealistic. Feel imbalanced. We might overreact. We prescribe to the straw that broke the camel's back mentality and feel unpredictable. We might be overly emotional or high strung. Our no muscle is weak. We say yes when we really want to say no. There is a continuous feeling of urgency. Things must be done now or better yet yesterday. And what if raises its head in an ugly way, stoking our fears. We may also experience changes in executive function. Executive function and self-regulation skills are the mental processes that enable us to plan, focus attention, remember instructions, and juggle multiple tasks successfully. If suffering from overwhelm, we may excessively multitask or procrastinate. We may be busy, busy all the time, yet accomplish very little productively. We may jump from task to task without being able to focus on what's important. We may become addicted to checking our phone notifications and take long trips down the rabbit hole of tasks that simply waste our time. We may make poor decisions, be unable to actually make decisions, feel unable to relax, or become habitually late. And changes in self-worth or self-esteem. 
we may be really hard on ourselves in an unhealthy way by being overly critical and thinking we can't do anything well anymore. We are in a state of despair and want answers now, a quick fix, a magic pill. And when we don't find these, because frankly they don't exist, we become more despondent and judgmental of ourselves. We might feel guilty for everything. We might worry excessively, constantly. Whew, what a list. While I hope you aren't able to identify with most of what I just shared, I suspect there were at least a few items you might be able to relate to. I can zoom out and see that a number of these indicators have been prevalent in my life for quite some time. Disability retirement disrupted my overwhelmed tendencies for a while, yet I noticed with an increase in stress and anxiety levels last year from COVID-19 pandemic that I was starting to feel some of these ways again. And this is precisely why pause is such an important player in finally beating overwhelm. I started to learn about pause a few years ago, but I didn't fully understand its power until the pandemic when my anxiety got a wee bit out of control, or at least past my comfort level. After experiencing a few too many panic attacks, and in an effort to avoid pharmaceutical treatment, since I tend to be reactive to many of them, I decided to get some virtual professional help through the Anxiety Center located in Canada. I've made huge gains since last year, working through my personal underlying factors that feed my anxiety. My most significant underlying factor, and I scored a perfect 100, which is not a good thing in this scenario, is an excessive sense of drivenness. What I'm learning about myself is that I have a tendency to go through life in overdrive. And recently, I've been trying to slow my pace, not unlike the tortoise, and take the time to look around and to do everything with more intention. In my conversations with other folks in the MS community, I've played with the term excessive drivenness to see if others can relate, and it seems to be fairly common amongst us. So I wanted to share my thoughts on drivenness, as well as the research around it, since it's a precursor to overwhelm, and this will hopefully be helpful to you today. First of all, what is drivenness? Drivenness is an addiction involving an often uncontrollable need or compulsion to work continuously. When we dig deeper, we learn that this is self-validation seeking, an almost uncontrollable need to find acceptance and self-worth through rapid task completion. Whew, sound familiar? Anyone finish a task and immediately reach for another? Some other behaviors that might indicate this is an issue could be, we are so fearful of making a wrong decision that we struggle with making a decision at all. We feel a chronic inner pressure to use every minute productively. We tend to neglect our own self-care through prioritizing care for others. We have an inherent need to feel above criticism, moral, professional, and personal. We experience heightened sensitivity to being pressured or feeling controlled. We tend to try to hold the whole log rather than just our end of the log. Or the feeling of, if it's to be, it's up to me. 
We get a dopamine high or adrenaline rush by compulsively jumping from one activity to the next. We feel like we have something to prove, and we feel compelled to prove our worth to others. We attribute our value and attach our value to our activities and accomplishments. We create endless distractions that we have trained ourselves to enjoy over time, but they don't really get us closer to the us we want to be. We crave spiritual brownie points to earn favor with God. Another way to assess if drivenness might be a negative force in our lives is to reflect upon our gut reactions, how we feel when we read related affirmations at the other end of the spectrum, like, my self-worth is not dependent on my ability to perform. God loves me just the way I am, regardless of how I choose to live my life. I lovingly receive the free gift of life and don't owe anyone anything for it. Actually, I don't have to do that. Everything always works out for me. Right here in this moment, nothing needs to happen. There are many things I enjoy in life that happen without me needing to do anything. Reflecting deeply on how these statements make us feel can be quite enlightening and help us to better assess where we are along the overwhelm continuum. And did you know there's actually a word in the Japanese language, kuroshi, that translates as death from overwork or extermination through labor? This is actually serious stuff. This Japanese term relates to occupational sudden mortality, heart attacks, strokes, typically caused by stress or starvation, and sadly, often by suicide. Why might we evolve into someone with excessive drivenness in the first place? Child development experts say we typically develop this habit when we're very young and don't hear the coveted well done often, even when we've worked really hard on something. We learn to crave hearing the praise and fool ourselves into thinking, if we just work a little harder, we'll someday get the recognition or other expressions of love that we crave. Or we grew up overscheduled, learning that downtime and doing nothing meant being lazy or some other form of not good enough. This creates a chronic inner pressure to use every minute productively, which wears us down over time and is the most common cause of overwhelm. So, what to do about it? This is where the pause comes in. We can push pause for completion and satisfaction between tasks. We can focus on the sights, sounds, emotions, while doing tasks to feel more connected to the task and our sense of accomplishment upon completion. We can take better calendar control over scheduling with special attention to pacing and energy conservation, alternating light tasks with heavy tasks, and taking a break after a heavy task. We can award ourselves when we complete something we worked hard on. We can schedule daily quiet time. We can more strongly utilize our no. We can commit to restorative sleep, rejuvenating exercise, and healthy eating to truly feed our body what it needs. 
We can commit to being present and enjoy real time, especially by reducing screen time. It also means making value-based decisions when calendaring our days and putting our self-care needs first rather than as an afterthought. I mean, how many of us, for instance, start each day with the best intention of doing something for ourselves, like exercising or eating lunch? Then something comes up, we put it off, and we keep reprioritizing throughout the day as other tasks pile up and then completely run out of energy or time to do that one little thing for ourselves. So this is why we need to exercise our no muscle and save our yes muscle for the most important things, as we explored in episode 26. From there, we use clearing, as we explored in episode 27, to remove the excess, remove the noise, keep only what is relevant and serves the us we want to be here and now. Then, after the clear, what do we do next? As we heard, the open drawer syndrome is real, and it's important once we clear to remain alert and not just let the first thing that comes our way rush in to fill the space we've created. This is why pause is so critical. And through building intentional pause into my life this past month while I've been clearing has been very illuminating. So much so that I'm going to continue bouncing between clearing and pausing before I decide what gets to fill the space through claiming. We'll talk another time about claiming as that's likewise an important step in learning to live in alignment. It also means that I'm planning ahead for how I want to ideally spend my time. For instance, I have several goals that I've had to delay. One is that I love to read, but as a busy person, this can be tough, especially when I'm in two book clubs, so I already read two books a month. So, pause in tandem with clear has helped me to prioritize the books I have that I haven't read yet and want to read. So I'm planning ahead for my birthday in May. I'm planning a readathon staycation. I'm not putting anything extraneous on my calendar for that week. I'm going to rest, read, and relax all week. Sounds gluttonous and maybe a bit hedonistic, but here's the thing. I need this. I need to force myself to truly pause and to do the thing I've been putting off the past few years. I have about a dozen awesome books now that I believe will really help me on my healing journey, and it's finally time to commit to reading them. So, while I started reading one already in place of playing games on my phone before bed, this readathon staycation will ensure I actually get through them this year and finally gain the knowledge I've been seeking as a true learn it all. While we're pausing, I'd like to share just a bit about Ayurveda's approach to treating MS, since I found one particular overlap quite fascinating in terms of overwhelm. Ayurveda, as defined by Merriam-Webster, is a form of alternative medicine that is the traditional system of medicine in India and seeks to treat and integrate body, mind, and spirit using a comprehensive holistic approach, especially by emphasizing diet, herbal remedies, exercise, meditation, breathing, and physical therapy. 
While I won't go into their full approach for treating MS here now, it's definitely something worth checking out if you feel so inclined. What I found most interesting in the context of thinking about overwhelm and the importance of pause is that one of the key Ayurvedic principles of treating MS is to increase regularity into our lives by developing intricate schedules that we stick to a minimum of six days a week for eating, sleeping, and work. And in fact, they go even further by incorporating rest, specific breathing exercises, sitting still with hot tea, and even bathroom breaks into these schedules at supposedly optimal times of the day for each. This aspect of Ayurvedic medicine is not unlike Western solutions for overwhelm, which beyond what we've previously talked about in other episodes suggests developing a nighttime routine that we stick to that includes limiting alcohol consumption, refraining from screen time several hours before bed, taking nighttime baths, and doing a relaxing activity before bed. Developing a morning routine that we stick to that involves getting outside early in the day. And developing a regular exercise routine to tire ourselves out. So what all of this really came down to is an old teacher saying, if we fail to plan, we plan to fail. As a lifelong educator, planning lessons and intervention plans is my jam. It was intriguing to me to think what I could do if I put those skills to work in a different way for myself right now. And that, my friends, is the main thing I've been working on these past weeks. Crafting my ideal routines during the pause to eradicate overwhelm, anxiety, and any fear-based drivenness. Now, drivenness in and of itself is not negative, and I want to make sure we speak to that here. It's good to be focused, passionate, and dedicated. Often when faced by a challenge, such as learning to better understand MS and to live well with it, It's easy to let fear and anxiety be the driver. But if I, for example, remain focused on the fact that my drivenness to better understand MS and to live well with it helps me, and I ensure that I'm chunking my time, taking breaks, conserving energy, and following a schedule that prioritizes self-care above all else, I can keep doing this work without fear, anxiety, or overwhelm. So how do we utilize the pause to make a big shift in our overwhelm? First, we must make a conscious decision that we don't want to live like this anymore. If we are all in and truly dedicated to change, then we can engage in strategies like the following to help us reframe our approach. We can, for instance, write lists of everything that worries us to help us better understand where our overwhelm comes from. Is it a boundary issue? A struggle with saying no? Being buried by literal clutter? Is it fear-based or rooted in feelings of being not good enough? Of the items on the list, we then identify things that are critical for our happiness and well-being. Those we obviously keep and they take priority for us to address first. 
We also pay close attention to things on our lists that are things we feel we should do. And those we work on tapering off or creating stronger boundaries around. Or we simply remove them from our calendars like I did this month. Newsflash, I didn't miss the things I removed, which was quite telling, and they are definitely not going back on the calendar. We can also plan for fun. As we plan our days, it's important that each day contain a break to do something we really enjoy. It can be simple, taking time to watch a movie, listen to music, perusing an old photo album, or taking a walk. Whatever it may be, it's time just for us because it makes us happy. At the end of the day before bed, we should always be able to reflect on our day and easily identify the thing or things we did just for fun that day to ensure we are living in the now and distracting ourselves from overwhelm by intentionally building fun into our day. We can use to-do lists and schedules. We can prioritize tasks, break them into smaller tasks separated by breaks. By planning how we will spend our days and sticking to it by being firm with ourselves, we will reach our goals sooner than we thought possible. We can practice mindfulness. Even sitting aside just 15 minutes of quiet time each day is enough. Create a special place that you like to be that exudes calm. Place items there that enhance tranquility and love. When we feel our stress levels rising, spending just a few minutes of intentional breathing in our special place can recalibrate us so that we can face the rest of our day with purpose and in alignment. We can zoom out. And by that, I mean take a good long look at our life as if we are someone else. When you do this, what do you notice? What feedback do you have for yourself? Is this the life you want to be living? What advice might you give if in fact you were asked to do this for a friend? A great question I heard when I was younger that has often guided me in life is, if you met you, would you like you? If any part of your answer is no or not really, that's a great place to start by us having an honest conversation with ourselves and then committing to the changes we want to make. We can also commit to eating well, to consistently provide our bodies with the fuel it needs to operate optimally. To do this, it's important to eat the right foods that generate energy and eat regularly, preferably at the same time each day, to help regulate our body's functionality. This is again a place where if we fail to plan, we plan to fail. Having the right foods in the house is the first step. This means meal planning to some extent, so that we have all the ingredients we need. Community matters. Humans are social creatures, and connecting with others can help us finally let go of overwhelm. When we start building joy into our daily schedules, consider options that involve other people, either people you already know or a group of new people. For example, a virtual class or workout group. When our connection to other participants grows, so will our commitment to the activity that brings us joy. Sooner than we think, we're automated and routinized. We can practice gratitude. 
We can tell people in our lives how we feel and how much we appreciate them. Just 10 minutes a day of journaling or even just thinking to ourselves about things we are thankful for or things we are proud of can make a world of difference to our feelings of overwhelm in a matter of days. To extend our gratitude, we can do something to improve someone else's life by donating, volunteering, or even just with a phone call to someone we haven't talked with in a while. We can lean into our strengths. Often on our journey, it's easy to focus on working solely on our deficits, when in fact, some of our most powerful changes can be fueled by our strengths. If we're not sure of our strengths, there's no shortage of strengths finder assessments online. By embracing and harnessing the power of our unique strengths, we can find our way to where we want to be much faster. We can also loosen our grip on the wheel and learn to periodically hand over the wheel to others. When we make a conscious effort to delegate, we empower others as well as ourselves. We don't have to carry the entire log on our own. This can be hard for those of us who live by the, if you want it done right, you better do it yourself motto. A great way to start is just ask and then let someone do one small task that we normally do. Expect and accept they may do it differently. Does that really matter? Often when we delegate and actually give someone a chance to participate, even if it's done a little differently, that rarely matters. This is a good lesson for us in learning to let go, and it becomes significantly easier each time we delegate. Learning to see that others actually enjoy helping us can make it a lot easier to let go. Another way we can loosen our grip is by accepting that much in life is out of our control, and often we fool ourselves into thinking life is predictable or safe, when there truly is no guarantee of either. We cannot control the storms we face, but we can control how we choose to ride them out. We can eradicate comparative thoughts that keep us in a constant state of overwhelm, less than, or not good enough. One fun way to do this is to do a Google search for at-home fails like cake baking or architectural design. We can also look at before and after shots with photo editing to remind us that real life is not really like it's depicted on social media. And lastly, we can utilize pause. Stop. Examine our thoughts and actions. When we notice that we're taking on too much, it behooves us to be firm with ourselves and challenge ourselves to let something go. Sometimes this means stepping away and taking a break, looking at our lives with new eyes, or being like the tortoise and taking a good long look at all the landscape entails as we pause before deciding on a path forward. In a nutshell, what all of this boils down to is that what's key to stopping overwhelm once and for all is simply what we decide to give our attention to and what we don't. We have the power to determine our own reality through what we dedicate our time and energy towards and what thoughts we allow to ruminate in our minds. We are the driver in our lives, and when we let external sources or fear determine our path for us, 
The result is feeling out of control, which leads to overwhelm. So, first, we take the wheel. We look at the map. And if we want, we can even draw our own, especially if our old map is outdated and isn't where we really want to go anymore. From there, we chart a path forward, focusing on the things that bring us joy, health, and happiness, leaving everything else on the side of the road behind us. For it's true that while we can't go back and start over, we can create a new beginning one where we're free from overwhelm and living in alignment with our innermost desires. It's also helpful to acknowledge that the root cause of feeling overwhelmed or drivenness in general aren't really a bad thing. We feel overwhelmed because we believe we are capable, and that's actually a good thing, especially when we compare that to how we might feel about ourselves if we didn't feel we were capable of change. Sometimes, however, we feel overwhelmed because there appears to be too many paths forward to choose from, and we don't know where to start. Again, that's not a bad thing either, because on some level, we fundamentally believe we are an empowered position and capable of finding a new way forward. The biggest disconnect is alignment, which is the space between what we want and our current thoughts around what we need to do to get there. We might feel the need to do everything immediately, post-haste, without delay. That self-induced pressure is really our scarcity mindset on full display. One source used this analogy of a crimp in the garden hose to illustrate this concept. The energy of our desire is flowing, but we have a crimp in the garden hose. We're impeding the flow by focusing on simply too many things at once. When we zoom out and shift our focus, we can better see how we're getting in our own way or driving with our own foot on the brake while we're trying to drive forward to release that crimp in the garden hose. When we release that pressure and we gain clarity, that in turn helps us propel ourselves forward in alignment with our deepest desires. This seek for clarity, in essence, is what I'm focused on for March as I continue to clear while also planting myself firmly in pause mode. I'm not adding anything new right now, not filling the space just yet, so to speak. By doing so, I'm using some of the strategies shared to map out how I want to navigate my life moving forward. For about a week now, I've been trying out my different schedules to see which one works best for me. Now, I want to acknowledge that I've already put forth a tremendous amount of thought as well as slow and deliberate action toward living in better alignment for at least a few months now. But what do we do when we don't even know where to start? Hopefully this episode gives you some ideas. Accept that pause can help. We don't always have to act or react. Sometimes when life seems to be spinning out of control, the best course of action is to actually pause. And I can attest it gets a lot easier with practice. We've talked about utilizing pause to help us exercise our no muscle, especially when adding more commitments to our plate. And the pause works just as well when we, or others in our lives, are feeling overwhelmed. Sure. We could elicit advice from others or run from our fear or 
we could pause. Like Sheldon from The Big Bang Theory, who doesn't naturally navigate emotional turmoil well, when things are tough, it's time for a cup of tea. And without fail, the tea always helps. It's the pause that yields the solution. I do also want to quickly address that sometimes life puts us on pause. An example we've faced is our MS diagnosis. And for me, it took about a year of hectic chaos and darkness for me to begin to chart a path to somewhere better. And what I've realized more recently is that this is going to take longer than I originally thought. It's not a one and done thing. Like most things in life, there are cycles accepting and utilizing the pause, and then using the reset button or the arrow key to shift direction are two powerful ways we can adjust course when life puts us on pause. Sure, the pauses in life we don't choose are often more disruptive than when we choose to push pause either in life or on the remote. Yet reframing pause in our minds and learning to see it as a gift of time for reflection and purposeful realignment of our time and life force energy so that when we release from the pause, we emerge anew, ready to truly live well with MS. What overwhelms each of us might be unique, and yet whatever our own personal journey looks like, it's all about balance. Author Esther Hicks, who frequently writes about the law of attraction, says, quote, It's about balance, in and out, in and out. If you were only to breathe in and never breathe out, you would be overwhelmed. And so it is. Balance and intention is the answer. I'd like to leave you with two quick analogies that I learned from Chris, my anxiety coach through the Anxiety Center, that can help guide us out of a state of overwhelm. The first is that he talks about how managing overwhelm and anxiety can be thought of as two glasses of water on a TV tray. Now, if you've ever used a TV tray, you know that most of them are a little rickety, and if you kick one of the legs by accident, that might result in quite the jolt to whatever is on the TV tray. Chris taught me to think about my overall mindset gauge in this way, by visualizing two glasses of water on a TV tray, where one glass is about half full and the other is filled almost to the brim. When the TV tray gets kicked, what happens? Well, the full glass of water is likely to spill and make quite a mess, while the glass that is half full might jostle around a bit, but will likely not overflow. This is how Chris has me thinking about all the strategies I've employed over the past few months under his tutelage. If I can be deliberate and aligned with my actions and thoughts, I can keep my mind clear and I will be the glass of water that is half full. I will be able to handle large kicks to my TV tray without overflowing or experiencing overwhelm. On the other hand, if I choose to keep my old tendencies as the glass full to the brim, with even a small kick to the TV tray, my glass is likely to overflow. Managing my emotions, my time, my reactions, my self-talk, my tendencies of excessive drivenness, 
All of these tools are helping me to maintain a glass that can better ride out the storms of life and those kicks to the TV tray. More recently, when sharing my clear and pause exercise with Chris, we talked about personal operating systems, which includes our attitudes, perceptions, behaviors, and actions. So now I'm thinking about my operating system. Is it time for a full reboot, an upgrade, or maybe a downgrade into a lower gear rather than going full throttle? One strategy Chris recommends for those of us desiring to rewire our brains in this way is to learn to parent ourselves. Yep, we never outgrow the need for affirmation and praise. By better understanding these legitimate longings and knowing that they come from a good place, we can find new ways to satisfy these longings through choosing to spend our time doing things that provide joy, pleasure, a sense of achievement, and accomplishment. For it's not the longing that's tainted, but rather just how we've been trying to satisfy the longing that's the issue. Once we have clarity on our legitimate longings, we can recreate this in our adult lives. Scripture puts it this way, we are all thirsty. The source or approach we choose to quench our thirst can be healthy or unhealthy. Examining our barometer or our operating system can enlighten us to how we can shift into a higher or lower gear to ease the journey through better alignment. And how do we find the time to reflect? We pause. My hope is that after listening to this episode, we all, one, understand the feeling of overwhelm or drivenness and that it's common and the root cause of the issue, longing for something, is not in and of itself negative. Two, that we take some time in the coming days to further reflect upon our own experience with overwhelm and consider ways we can use the powerful tool of pause to develop and set a plan in place to move through life with more intention and alignment to what matters most. Three, that we each take responsibility for how we choose to spend our days. Our time is finite and our most precious resource. And whether we choose to look at Ayurvedic medicine or Western medicine, intentionally creating and sticking to a schedule that puts self-care first is the answer. And if we fail to plan, we plan to fail. And four, that we intentionally infuse joy into our lives now, rather than delaying our gratification and deferring our happiness to some time in the distant future. If you haven't figured it out thus far, mindset to me is the most powerful tool in learning to live well with MS. Sure, all the other things I've done over the years have helped a ton Yet what's helped me level up in my healing is really digging deeply into mindset matters. Starting in just a few weeks on March 23rd, we'll begin our MS Mind Body Medicine course with Lacey. If you have areas in your life where you might be stuck or you might be experiencing overwhelm, I invite you to join us. There are just a few spots left for this eight-week course. All you need is to reach out to Lacey to express your interest and make sure you tell her you want to join the MS group. Her email is ldabelow at gmail.com. 
Flock members, I look forward to seeing you the first Saturday in March, which is this week, March 6th, where we will discuss this episode and others from February, as well as just connect for MS support in any way each of us craves. If you're not yet a Flock member but would like to be, join us. We meet via Zoom the first Saturday of each month and when a special podcast guest is available and wants to meet with us. You can learn more and join by visiting www.patreon.com slash msflock. As always, I encourage all listeners to reach out with questions, comments, future podcast topics, or guest ideas via email to mymsflock at gmail.com. And lastly, remember, as we travel through life with MS, we're certain to hit some turbulence. We'll get through it, especially if we're flying together, supporting one another. Thank you for listening, and until next time, enjoy the pause and be well.